Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We've arrived at Ripley by the castle and we are on a cobbled street next to a lovely church with some gravestones and a, a man who's digging in there. I don't know if he's an official person or he's just an opportunist. And then the birds are circling nice and high. There's a nice river somewhere that I can hear. It's idyllic. Imagine last of the summer wine, but just with like a slap of uber poshness running through. I think we're allowed to just go in, so I'm gonna open the big door and um, massive it's like the bfg lives in here and we are opening up to a, ooh, a cobblestones that go into a gravel drive a nice circular lawn in the middle with a fountain and it's a yeah it's, it's vast it's very big it really goes all the way around on today's episode we're at ripley castle a grade one listed 14th century house on the edge of the yorkshire dales national park set in the stunning grounds complete with an ornamental lake and deer park and, believe it or not, it's been the home of the Ingleby family for over 700 years. It's very apt, if you're, if you're meeting a lord, you should wait in the driveway for a bit, I think. I think that's, that feels like the, the, the correct thing. We don't mind waiting for Tom. Sir Tom, Sir, Sir Thomas. There are a lot of windows. I'm trying to see if there's anyone in them, but there doesn't seem to be. There's an eerie silence in this courtyard as we await a lord. This castle and the family have survived times of political, military and religious turbulence, witnessed plague and persecution. There's been romance, courage and recklessness. It's made it through the reign of 32 monarchs, as well as countless Christmas dinners and family Sunday lunches, which, if they're anything like my family, can get pretty spicy at the best of times. This house is also the tale of two Toms as it starts with its first owner, Sir Thomas Ingleby, and continues to the present day with its current one, Sir Thomas Ingleby, a sixth baronet. We did tell him I've got a title as well, right? I don't think it's, I don't think honourable really counts though, to be honest. Oh, hang on, this, this looks like more like a lord, but I'm not sure. It might just be a man with a briefcase. He looks very stately there. Good morning. Good morning! Oh, not at all. How are you? Oh, that's easy. Yes, it's very easy. Yeah, yeah no. they're, two, they're two tops. Yeah, it's a sitcom already. It's almost lovely to meet you in person. Hi <laughs> there. Thank you very much for having us. Right, no, that's all right. It's always fun doing these. Yeah, oh, good. Well, I'm glad. Next, that's a positive next, attitude to start. Makes me pay, my, pay attention to my history. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me learn mine as well, so it's yeah. going to be great. Yes. I'm looking forward to it. Can we, are we able to go into the... Yeah, we are indeed. Come along in. So Thomas says, having lived here his entire life, he can be as rude as he likes about his ancestors as they are his family, which is a great start to a podcast. So Thomas, thank you very much for joining us. We're here in your front room with a roaring fire going on that you've made for us. Thank you very much for putting a fire out. That's all right. No, we, we have to have a fire because all our central heating broke down in October. Is, so, that, is um, that what's happened? Yes, <laughs> we'd be frozen to death very shortly if we didn't. It's actually, a, it's, a, it's, it's a lovely, comfy setting in this incredible looking front room. I feel like I could be on the set of Downton Abbey. There's, 
a full grand piano in the corner. There's beautiful seats, pink seats as well. They're quite garish, actually. That's quite yes, funky. Yes, they are. That's, that's definitely my wife's taste. Is that, is that, <laughs> are there bits that your wife has added to the, the, the castle over the years? Oh, uh, very much so. Some questionable ones? Any, anything um, that you've taken umbrage with? Not that I dare say publicly. <laughs> <laughs> Probably for the best. Going back into the history, the original Sir Thomas Ingleby was knighted in 1355 for saving King Edward III's life. Let's hear that story. Yeah. Um, the Inglebys in those days were part of the court. We've had a steady and spectacular decline since. Um, <laughs> but Edward III came up with a royal hunting party to what was then the royal hunting forest of Knaresborough. Wild boar were common and endemic in this part of the world then. Well, is that right? So from what I know about hunting, because people always associate fox hunting with being the posh one, but actually it was boar that was the posh one. And it was only when we ran out of boar, we, <laughs> uh, when, the, we then then went to foxing. But foxing hunting used to be the sort of lower class sport. Is that, I, I mean, I'm pulling this out of a YouTube video that I watched <laughs> at some point, but boar was the main thing to be hunting back in the day for the, for the upper classes. Is that right? Yes, because unlike foxes, you could actually eat wild boar. Yes. It made quite a good... Um, sizable chunk on a platter absolutely um and it was also additional thrill because if you wound a wild boar it, it is large enough to cause serious damage so there's jeopardy for you as well yeah very much so so the king found a wild boar it's obviously a sizable animal he threw his spear at it and he wounded it uh, the boar not unnaturally took a very dim view of this and attacked the king's horse. Now, the horse didn't see why it should take the blame, so it threw the king off. So at that stage, the king was lying on the ground with his legs in the air. Um, <laughs> Looking very unkingly. The, the boar was <laughs> very strongly considering regicide, killing the king. <laughs> um, and at that moment, my ancestor, Thomas Ingleby, for some unexplained reason, was lurking in a nearby rhododendron bush, saw what was happening, emerged and killed the boar before it could do any damage to the king. And he was nice on the spot. The family was given the boar's head as part of the family crest. Um, we were given the right of free warren, the right to hunt anywhere in the forest of Knaresborough, which hitherto had been reserved to the king. I think some of my neighbours might be slightly shocked if I took it up again. Um, <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> The right to hold annual horse markets and weekly markets in the village. Yeah. That, the really, that really was a turning point in history for the Ingleby family. It was, very definitely. Wow. Yeah, less of a turning point for the boar because that <laughs> end, probably ended up on the main course at that night's dinner. Um, so its five minutes of fame was lost before it ever really started. But, um, but, now, but now I guess it's now part of your sigil and that's why I, I saw your... Pretty impressive door knockers on the way into the castle. All boar's head. I mean, the boars are everywhere. There's stuffed ones on the walls. So its memory lives on. Yes, its memory lives on. Yeah. And we, we opened a, a hotel in the village a few years ago and we called that the boar's head. Oh, there's, is, that, is that just on the corner? Just down. Yes, the, just on the oh, corner. I saw that. Is that your hotel as well? That's our hotel. Oh, very nice. Yes. And it's nice to have a logo that actually has a meaning behind it. Yeah, yeah it, absolutely. It's not the frog and the firkin or anything like that. It's, it's proper history.
if you are ever taking tours around the castle, have you got sort of stock made up facts of the castle that you tell people that you know that they won't not believe you? I mean, I'm, I'm loath to take too many liberties with the castle history. Sure. Although, been on several promotional tours of America and after the 17th city, you begin to want to misbehave a bit. Yeah. Um, just out of boredom, you go, out I'm, of just, boredom. I'm just going to put some so, flavour into There this. were a number of other tourist attractions with us, including the Tower of London and all sorts of others. And um, we had to make up names on the way through. And the organiser of the tour was, was trying to celebrate English festivals that were coming up the following year to get groups around. And so we invented the 700th anniversary of Cardinal Sin. <laughs> and not an eyebrow was raised. <laughs> Which just goes to show that they either believed me or they weren't listening at all. I yeah, don't know. Yeah, exactly. it, it took me about two minutes to sort of straighten up and, oh, yeah. well, that, that made a soft landing, didn't it? Yeah. Um, I reckon about 20% of British history is probably just historians who were bored on tours yes. and just made stuff up and oh it's my, factually accurate now my wife is the ultimate expert in making up tours because she she's not terribly strong on her history um <laughs> so she just literally makes it up on the way through and being my wife there's an awful lot of adultery oh, well. um and uh, you know, mistresses running through the house and, and all sorts oh, of things. Oh, she's accusing you of adultery. <laughs> no, no, not me. No, oh, right. was... <laughs> I thought you were going to say that your wife goes round and going, well, have you seen what my husband's done? He's not, last 20 years. <laughs> not that I'm aware of, anyway. <laughs> oh, you mean just past um, characters? Just past from... characters. Right, okay. We're <laughs> guilty of the most monstrous things. I thought that was outrageous of your wife for a <laughs> Lady yes. Ingleby, Jesus. And, and she can carry it off. Yeah, she can embellish the story quite seriously. It's all confidence, isn't it? Yeah. It's just confidence. Say it, say it with, with confidence and people believe you. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but we've got about eight guides and we all tell completely different stories. And it's sometimes quite funny listening outside the door. <laughs> <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. 
join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can join us now on the podcast for a quick fire Ingleby round where we're going to be listing through some of the eccentric other Inglebys in bullet point form. First up, it's Sir William. Yes, Sir William Amkert's Ingleby. Um, yes. Amkert's being his mother's family in uh, Lincolnshire who brought a considerable amount of money into the family, which nice. he greatly enjoyed spending. Thank you very much. He was our eccentric. He had a very dysfunctional upbringing in that his father, Sir John, had gone into considerable debt while rebuilding the castle and had to flee abroad for 13 years to avoid his creditors, during which time Sir William Ampensingley was left to his own devices. And he made the most of it. He was undoubtedly very familiar with alcohol, with gambling. He also had a very large number of siblings and step-siblings because having had 13 children by his wife, Sir John then had another five children by his mistress, who was the daughter of a tenant farmer from the top of the park. That was a fertile man. Martha Webster, so 18 in total. Those poor women... I know. That is terrible. Exhausting. (laughs) Um, The oldest of those illegitimate Inglebys got into trouble with a gamekeeper's daughter in Skipton and was eventually the bane of his father's life. And he instructed Sir William Amkertz to escort this youth down to Ramsgate and put him on board the R.M. Reynolds Destination Australia. Uh, which in 1832 wasn't quite the tourist destination as it is today. No, that is... Well, he, anyone he, bad, just chuck them, yeah. send, them off, send them off to Australia. And he was given £200 in cash and a supply of clean shirts, which no doubt were of the thick woolen variety and ideally suited for Sydney. Yeah. Um, and he was ordered to remain on the dockside until the boat went over the horizon to make sure that um, Edward Webster didn't jump ship and land back in England again. And um, it was the making of young Edward, and he went on to be quite successful in Australia. And eventually he became an MP for the Lindsay Division in Lincolnshire. And he was a Whig MP. He was very much anti-slavery, very much in favour of the rights of tenants' farmers, and um, was very steadfast. But, yeah, it's the old story, drink, gambling... Member of Parliament. I mean, it's a fairly well-trodden path. Yeah, I I thought those are the qualifications you had to have. (laughs) Yeah, almost essential. Yeah, they don't let you in otherwise. Prerequisite. (laughs) Um, And he had a strange fashion sense in that um, he and his wife were seen on top of punch white ponies in Ripon Market Square, dressed a la Milord Byron, without a tie, and reputedly, also without any smalls. So, so no smalls just means no, like no, nothing on no the, the bottom half. 
Right. So did he have trousers on, or was he full like he, Winnie he the had Pooh? Trousers. Dog, dog? Oh, you don't have trousers. Right, okay. Yeah, but just no undergarments. No, no undergarments. Or a tie. Yes. And he used to dress down to a degree that people mistook him for a beggar, basically. And there was a lovely story of he went to a local race meet somewhere and um, he decided that he ought to buy a new hat. And he went into this hat shop nearby and bought a hat and came back into the race course and all his colleagues said, my God, that's a splendid hat. You know, where did you get it from? He said, well, I got it from the hatter next door and he paid 17 shillings for it. So a few went to the hat shop and tried to get the hat at the same deal. And the hatter took one look at them and said, no, I'm not going to sell it to you for that price. The real price is, is this. And they said, well, you've just sold one to our friend for 17 shillings. Ah, yes, but I've been in the business a long time. I know a poor um, <laughs> character when I see one, and, and he was in need, definitely, so he got it much cheaper. And this story Thanks. got into the Times newspaper, and hats became his thing. And when he stepped down as an MP, his ungrateful constituents, because they just unseated him, presented him with a green hat, um, in felt and he had himself painted several times with this green hat so he obviously loved it probably because it came free of charge do we have paintings of him in the green hat anywhere in the castle um not in the castle but we do in the hotel in the boar's head it must be tempting for you occasionally just to dress down and go out into the the town and pretend to be a lowly yeah, as, as my wife will confirm, this is my normal dress. Um, and um, I'm frequently very poorly attired no. and looking very crumpled. And it does result in some funny conversations when people ask me if I'm a gardener. I've been asked if I worked for the brewery and I have to keep quiet when I'm in taxis because the inevitable conversation is, um, yeah, oh. And they find out who I am. Oh, you're Sir Thomas from Castle Lake. Um, oh, I had a friend that was married there once. And I said, are they still married? Oh, no, no. no. They've been divorced <laughs> a long time ago. Yeah. And I said, for Christ's sake, yeah, we, we don't, when we marry people, we don't serve them with a guarantee. What yeah. they get up to <laughs> once they leave here is entirely their lookout. It's out of our hands. Yeah. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. 
And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. James I stayed at the castle in 1603, and then by the end of his stay, the Ingleby family were plotting to kill him. Was he just the most horrendous house guest ever? What had he done? Had he not tidied his bed? Had he... No, he didn't live a big enough tip for the staff. Is that what it is? For the side of the bed, yes. You've got to be very careful of these. I had a similar incident at the travel lodge the other day. Yes. They were were trying to burn my house down (laughs) after I'd attacked the vending machines in the morning. um, (laughs) No, I mean, when Elizabeth I died, uh, the Catholics breathed a huge sigh of relief because they had been heavily repressed during her reign. Um, And Ingleby had been put to death few years earlier and so James I was seen as a good egg and promising for the Catholics. He was married to a Catholic, he was well known to be very partial to flattery so they were given four days notice that he was going to come and spend the night here. That is not a lot of notice. Not a lot of notice for a king Yeah, um, because it wasn't just the king in the Range Rover with his suitcase in the back. (laughs) Um, it was his entire household, you know, who would run to hundreds, uh, so, all yeah. of whom you were expected to look after. Yeah. And um, a lot of tea and So coffees. they rushed in their plasterers and they, <laughs> they put up a new plaster ceiling, which was full of flattery for the new king's reign. So it had the royal lion, the fleur de lis, the fruits of the earth, denoting how fruitful the reign was going to be. And... Um, no doubt they were hoping to be rewarded with high office, you know, Chancellor of the Exchequer or Archbishop of Canterbury or something else that you could filch huge public funds from. Sure, I mean, if you've gone to all the trouble of plastering a ceiling for someone, you want something back in return. That's not, a, that's not just chocolates on the pillow. That's you like a proper... Do, definitely. Um, it all out. And um, sadly, all they got out of it was a lousy knighthood, which they already had, really, but I suppose it's better than nothing. But um, not good enough for them, so they went... No. This ungrateful bastard, are we going <laughs> to... Um, no, me. well, the king was guilty of sending out mixed messages. Um, some of the more extreme militant Catholics started to become frustrated. And it's all boiled over in the Guy Fawkes gunpowder plot of 1605, in which the Inglebys undoubtedly had a part, in that all ten of the principal conspirators were all either married to Inglebys or related to Inglebys or related to relations of the people we've married into. And we are literally the linchpin that held the whole conspiracy together. I'm just just remembering, because back in the the tower, there's a plaque that dictates all the conspirators to the gunpowder plot. I swear there's an Ingleby on there. Yeah, well, Sir William and um, his brother John were arrested and charged with treason. And on the third day of the trial in York... 
there was a massive surprise because all the chief witnesses for the prosecution changed their stories and said what a lovely man he was and they couldn't believe how he'd ended up in the dock. And the third charge was that of bribing witnesses, strangely enough. Was it? <laughs> so he may not have paid them quite enough on the first occasion, but made no mistake the second time. Sure? <laughs> but the two Winter brothers, who were probably the best known of the yes, conspirators, they're definitely on that plaque, yeah. um, their mother was an Ingleby and their aunt was an Ingleby, so they were related twice over. Ah. And they had a daughter called Dorothy, who was married to Thomas Grant, who was also a major conspirator. Guy Fawkes himself was married to a Pauline who'd been married to an Ingleby. He was the cheapskate who bought cheap gunpowder, which was the reason why the whole thing fell apart. <laughs> what a guy. That, that must have been his Yorkshire breeding, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, yeah, absolutely. Yes. <laughs> well, how much do you want? I'm not paying that much. <laughs> Yeah, give me that stuff in the corner over there. Yeah, how much? It'll be right. <laughs> Back in my day, you could get pounds of gunpowder for a wink and a smile. Yeah. <laughs> of course, by today's standards, adjusted for inflation, it'll cost you a lot more than that. Actually, it's quite a lot trickier than that. In the UK, you need an explosive certificate provided by the police before you can actually buy any gunpowder. There are two types of certificate, an acquire-only certificate to permit a person or company to obtain explosives that are to be used immediately, not kept overnight, and an acquire-and-keep certificate that allows a person or company to obtain explosives and keep them in an approved storage space. I think I might have to delete my browser history. Let's change the subject, shall we? Ripley Castle's got a lovely lake. How many members have jumped in that in that water out there? Um, I think most of us have been in the lake. Have, have you, have you swum across to the island? No, I haven't. It's 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 very shallow and it's quite full of goose detritus. Um, <laughs> oh, so you would certainly need a, a bath afterwards, and you'd probably die of something fairly horrible. But there was a lovely story about a guest at the hotel who got drinking with the night porter who managed to persuade him that there was a mermaid in the lake. <laughs> and eventually he decided to, to go and try and find the mermaid and um, <laughs> took all his clothes off on the bank of the lake and leapt into the lake with a cry of, where's my mermaid? <laughs> um, unfortunately, when he emerged from the lake without a mermaid, which was disappointing, he was lacking a Rolex watch. And um, I would love to see what he put down on the insurance claim. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because it, may, it was a very watch. good story here. It may not have been quite so graphic <laughs> when he got it onto paper. Yeah, it's all fun and games until someone ends up naked, missing a Rolex and filing an insurance report. Reminds me of my 30th. And on that confessional note, it's time for me to swim off. But before we go... Do you remember the story of Sir William Amcott Ingleby? When he stepped down as an MP, his ungrateful constituents presented him with a green hat. And he had himself painted several times with this green hat. So he obviously loved it. Do we have paintings of him in the green hat anywhere in the castle? Um, not in the castle, but we do in the hotel in the Boar's Head. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? Time for a bad manners pub lunch. To see if we can find the painting, of course. It's research, people. I've just come into the boar's head and we're just going to try and go up the stairs and see if we can find this painting of a man in a green hat. 
So far, we've got a portly gentleman sat down on a st stool. There's some ladies in waiting, a man in a yellow waistcoat, and at the end of the corridor, there's a guy in a puffer jacket holding a microphone. Oh, oh, oh no, that's a mirror. That's me. <laughs> I can't find him. He's not here. <laughs> what an anticlimax. Not that you could see it on the podcast anyway, but it would still be nice for us to see. Wait, hang on. The portly gentleman, I've just looked on the desk. The green hat's on the desk. So there he is. That's him. Let's have a look at the, what does it say? Sir William Amcott Singleby. There you go. There he is. A man of great stature, figuratively and literally. Actually, the more and more you walk around Ripley, the more and more bores that you notice. There's literally bores everywhere. And I'm not just talking about the guy we met on the way into the pub. <laughs> Yeah, that was lame. Sorry. I'll bore off now. Thanks for listening to this episode. We'll return to Ripley Castle later in the series to hear the story of an incredible woman, her brother, and their fight against the Roundheads. Trooper Jane and her brother William survived. They managed to get back to Ripley. And you can imagine the total horror when who should turn up at the front door a couple of hours later. But the victorious rebel general is who is called Oliver Cromwell himself. And that's just the beginning of an astonishing story. And a very long night at Ripley Castle. Don't miss it. Until then, don't forget, next year marks the 700th anniversary of Cardinal Sin. So pop it in your diary. Oh, and mind your manners. Thanks for listening to Bad Manners. If you like the pod, please share it with your friends. Rate it on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a review and make sure you spill the tea on any of your favourite Bad Manners that we could feature in future episodes. This podcast was produced by Atomize Studios for iHeartRadio. It was hosted by me, Tom Horton. It was produced by Willa Malensky, Rebecca Rappaport, and Chris Attaway. It was executive produced by Faye Stewart and Zad Rogers. Our production manager is Caitlin Paramore, and our production coordinator is Bella Cellini. Friends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.